0: These are the facts. The world is in trouble, but we're going to straighten it out. We are going to build the wall, okay? Don't worry. America first. Together, we will make America great again. That's what I do. I fix things. We're going to straighten it out. It's... Unprecedented. And it's week two of our uh, look at uh, the goings-on in the White House uh, over the last week. Well, 160 years ago, the Skibberine Eagle newspaper had a headline that said, We will be keeping an eye on the Tsar. Well, 160 years later, we're keeping an eye on Donald Trump. And our eye is my guest Adrian Collins, who every week will be with me on this podcast, telling me what's been going on. Adrian, welcome. Thank you very much, George. So, you've been looking at the week. What's item one?
1: Item one, I think we have to discuss the recent resignation of General Flynn over accusations of colluding with the Russian ambassador. Now, the overall issue was that he was speaking to the Russian ambassador in advance of the elections essentially saying don't react to the sanctions that Obama's putting on you yet once Trump is in charge we'll see what we can do about them more or less now he said frequently and repeatedly that that wasn't the case that he wasn't that he wasn't doing that that There were no conversations of these matter happening. Then, late last week, the story changes. All of a sudden, it's they had a lot of conversations, but there's no way he can guarantee that the 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 topic of the sanctions didn't come up. And then, all of a sudden, he's gone Tuesday morning, early morning announcement that he's no longer. Now, there are two interesting
0: things about this, Adrian. One, in an Irish context, as we laboriously go through the whole McCabe fiasco, nobody's resigning. No. And in America, as soon as you're caught, you're gone. And this goes right through corporate America, where you know there's no employee tribunal, there's none of this. They just say you're fired. They give you a cardboard box. You fill up your cardboard box with your belongings, and you're gone. Now, um, the interesting thing here is, and and um, I think you also have some audio on this uh, that. Trump is bringing uh, that kind of corporate responsibility because he doesn't seem happy with the performance of some of his cabinet, does he?
1: We are concerned about the uh, statements that he misled the the, uh, vice president-elect during a period of time uh, about his conversations with the Russians. Uh, If the general lied, he needs to resign. Uh, and, if he, and if it was covered up, anyone who covered it up needs hmm. to resign. If it did include the idea that the uh, Trump administration would relieve existing sanctions, that would bother me greatly. Everything Russia has done in the last couple of years warrants more sanctions not less I agree with Adam Schiff would be uh, grounds for his dismissal if he then went on and lied about it and put the vice president in the position knowingly uh, of lying to CBS about it well then I mean that that that's that's beyond the pale no there's definite talk of a shakeup even this early on now obviously uh, the the resignation of Flynn was a moment. You said it exactly there. You said Donald Trump's catchphrase. You're fired. That was his whole thing on The Apprentice is somebody has to pay for the mistakes that have been made. Now, The Apprentice is a TV, reality TV show, and I'm sure Donald is hopefully not running the White House like a reality TV show, although maybe he is a little bit. But that element of... This has come through from a lot of the leaks. That's one of the main things that Donald is concerned with. There are a lot of leaks out of the White House from staffers, from, uh, I suppose lifelong bureaucrats within agencies that you know the Washington Post is reporting seven eight nine sources for every single story rather than one or two so they have a lot of people who are willing to talk to them about what's going on in the White House and a lot of it is based around the fact that Trump is unhappy with the rollout of the executive order on immigration the rollout of uh, a number of his other measures that he feels have been rushed and he does, doesn't feel he's getting the right information so, from the right
0: people. So who at the moment in your analysis of uh, the people around him in the White House, who do you think in the last week uh, is losing and who's winning? This changes every day because Donald Trump seems to be so, I don't
1: want to say flippant, but so prone to mood change. I think this was something we saw in the primaries. Flynn was obviously in trouble because there was no plausible deniability on Trump's part to say anymore that he didn't think, that he didn't know Flynn was talking to the Russians. Especially after he sent that tweet once, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, where he sent a tweet to say it was very smart of Vladimir Putin to delay on the sanctions. I always knew he was very smart. Something along those lines. The next person in line who is seemingly under a lot of pressure is Sean Spicer, the press secretary, who's going out and... Donald Trump seems to be very unhappy with a lot of what he's doing, mainly because he wasn't at Donald Trump appointment. He seems to have been sort of foisted on him. And then the other person, the chief of staff, Ernst Priebus, who is under pressure because of all these leaks, because of the fact that Trump is feeling he's getting pieces of paper put in front of him, that he's signing executive orders that aren't fully thought out, that are ending up in court, and it's making him look weak. That's one of the things that Donald Trump will So you want.
0: think the chief of staff even could be in the firing line now? That's the reports are saying that he's
1: He's under pressure because Trump is unhappy with how much he's had to clean up after Well, everything.
0: the interesting thing here, I think, and if, if it's where fact and fiction meet. I mean, if you look at Nixon, and admittedly, we've got to go back quite a bit, but during that whole Watergate fiasco, his chief of staff was there to the bitter end, you know, standing between the president and the investigative reporters. Then, if you look at the fiction of the West Wing, the chief of staff, again, is absolutely the president's right-hand man. He has total faith in him. And here, suddenly, within weeks of an appointment, we see Trump uh, having difficulty with chief of staff. Now, interestingly, I have enormous sympathy for Trump in this case. This might seem strange. And let me put my thoughts there and then react. You use the phrase about Trump cleaning up. People like Donald Trump in business are used to having of leaving a trail of paperwork behind them and just People who then clean up. That's why PAs earn a lot of money working for chief executives of major corporations because they clean up behind them. The chief executive can't remember his wedding anniversary, his wife's birthday, uh, you know, and so on. And the PA. Now, I think Trump is that kind of president. So, therefore, because he's that kind of president, he needs more people picking up the pieces behind him. Do you buy that scenario?
1: I suppose so, but I mean, why should we be res- waiting for the president to be to have pieces picked up behind him? He should because be because he's the...
0: that kind of president.
1: But he should be on he should be on the details, George. That that is not enough of what a, a president is supposed to do. If he is. Leaving message. If he's sitting down with an executive order that he hasn't even really looked through and asked, now he has to depend on his staff to a certain extent to tell him this will get through the courts. But if he's relying on people like Bannon, who are rushing through, like again, he's also apparently annoyed with Bannon for sort of tricking Trump into letting him onto National Security Council. He's annoyed with him as well. There seems to be all this sort of infighting that that is, all of that has to come back on the person who made the appointments, and that's Trump. As a public school teacher, um, I'm very concerned that uh, DeVos doesn't have the needs of marginalized student populations like students with special needs or minority students at heart. I'm really concerned about the fact that it seems that she's done no research and has made no effort to educate herself on um, public education policy and laws. I think she will decimate the special education uh, programs that exist simply based on her lack of um, understanding of them. And given her answers at the Senate confirmation hearing, she really showed very little interest and understanding of a really complex program.
0: My guest with me, of course, every week on unprecedented our look at uh, Trump's week is Adrian Collins who is an inveterate Washington D.C. watcher and he's keeping an eye on things uh, Adrian has everything going for him, knowledge, experience uh, high intellectual ability, uh, he's only got one drawback, he's a kid and uh, so therefore uh, when I start talking about John F. Kennedy to Adrian I'm talking about a historical character who might well be fictional for all he knows. The point here, Adrienne, is that if you look at, say, the Kennedy presidency, Kennedy had a cabinet, but half of them didn't know what was going on when he was plotting Bay of Pigs invasion into Cuba, for instance. He was talking to Bobby all the time because he trusted Bobby. Now, I think all presidents have had a cabinet Outside the cabinet, all of them, they've all had guys that they've depended on who weren't in the cabinet. And I think I we don't know yet who that is for Trump. And I think because, and I think we've got to have, like, nobody has any sympathy for him. And I think that's wrong too, because he's not all bad. I think he didn't expect to win the election. Uh, so therefore, he didn't prepare for it, whereas Hillary expected to win it. So I would suggest that 12 months ago, Hillary was saying, we'll have so-and-so as education secretary, we'll have so-and-so as energy secretary, and this is what we'll do. Suddenly, Trump has come totally from left field, never have been having been in an election position before, like we said this about obama or approved right. obama 's lack of political sense and noose uh, it cost him dearly in his presidency now Trump has come in. And and with even less experience, he's depending on the people he appoints, and looks as if he's made some bad appointments. I mentioned education secretary. Education secretary is Devos, isn't mm, that so? Betsy
1: Devos, yeah. Yeah,
0: female, because he's picked quite a few females, so you can't throw that stone at him. What happened with her? Well, there's a the issue is that she comes in
1: again as somebody who is uh, not. Okay, she uh, people. Are, her critics are saying she's unqualified for the position because she's not an educator. She's not. She hasn't run a school before, and she's coming in to then decide how many millions, billions of dollars should be spent on the education system. How much should be spent to the detail of how much should be spent per student. Now there are issues across the entire United States on disparities spending. Disparities of spending between different schools, even within, let's say, the same geographical area of California, one school could be spending nearly $20,000 per student and one school could be spending less than half of that. So she was asked a number of tough questions by Tim Kaine in her hearing about whether or not she believed that all students should be treated equally, whether or not she believed that all schools should be given the same type of funding. And she seemed to be unwilling to answer or unprepared to
0: answer most of those questions. Well, Adrienne, having said that, for example, Richard Bruton, Minister for Education, was never a school teacher. You know, walked in, I imagine, that first day into the Department of Education and didn't know the first thing about it until some civil servant handed him a brief. Now, so I don't think politicians are supposed to know about it they're supposed to have people who advise them and because they're politicians they can make decisions now she
1: there's but there's other there's other issues but one of the things is when you go to a, a Senate committee hearing like that where you're trying to yeah. show that you're qualified for the job you should be able to answer all the questions that are put to you and you shouldn't be repeatedly there's a particularly good clip where Tim kane who somebody came who came into the election as a rather kind of drab vice president president. The thing, the only thing we knew about Tim Kaine was that he liked to give speeches in Spanish and English. That was pretty much the only thing people noticed about Tim Kaine. And he was standing up to her, he was giving her a lot of guff back, and she was refusing to answer the question that was being put to her. When Tim Kaine is making you look like you're dodging a question, then you need to look at whether or not that person is qualified for the job, because they are avoiding it because what they're try- she was trying to avoid saying what she really thought.
0: Alright, now it's the court... Um, and the whole issue of the ban. Now, talking to people who know, uh, everybody is suggesting he's perfectly entitled to write write an executive order on banning, and that all he has to do is actually write another one, uh, and suddenly the whole thing goes away. Do you buy that? No. I
1: think... First of all, there's going to be an issue with whether or not... They <laughs> he tweeted that we're going to see you in court. Now, that's a standard response from Donald Trump. He's, throughout his business career, threatened to take people to court. You can't threaten to take a court to court, which I think was one of the main issues that he seemed to have that maybe he didn't understand. But you're right, the the power to decide who enters and who leaves the country, a lot of that rests with the with the president. There's sort of a plenary power there that... The other branches of government don't stick their oar in too much, so the judiciary is not going to stick its oar in too much. But he's goading them; he's putting pressure on the judiciary to say these are so-called judges they don't understand what I'm doing, and they are making America not safe. So if they're doing, if he's doing anything with this order, which is going to go probably to the Supreme Court, if it hits a tie, it comes back down to the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to whatever they ruled on it. Then he's asking the judges to show their power in the American political system.
0: How? So how do you think week two is playing for him? I mean, like, is he getting better? we talked just, this is only our second time, on unprecedented. Um, is this better or worse, do you think, this week?
1: <laughs> it's hard to decide. I mean, he might have gotten a D last week. He's probably trending towards a... a a D plus. I think it's he's at least had meetings with international leaders this week that have been almost incident free. The only one that you could realistically consider that went to plan was the one with uh, Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister on Monday. That seemed to be, they had a rather standard enough questions and answer sessions about how Canada and America are going to work together and that was all seemed to be fine. Prime Minister of Japan Shinzo Abe was over during the weekend and they took a call in a restaurant in his Mar-a-Lago resort in front of a wedding party about North Korea launching a missile. That's, again, another example where they were totally unprepared. You talked about Obama's lack of political nous costing him. I think Trump was elected on the basis that he has no political nous. Obama famously said afterwards, and it annoyed all the Republicans, that elections have consequences. And that turned a lot of people against them on, on the Republican side. Not to mention that they started leaning that way anyway. And politics has, in the last decade, splintered off into two different factions who are barely even talking to each other anymore. It's hard to get people across the aisle. I think Clinton, you're right, had laid the groundwork. She knew her picks. She was going to come in and say... I want this person for uh, education, I want this person for defence. And she probably had laid the groundwork with a couple of people to get those votes before
0: she even got in. Trump hasn't done that. All right. Now, by and large, to close, and remember, it's unprecedented our look at Trump's week with uh, our eye on Trump, uh, Adrian Collins. But, uh, Adrian, the issue of... The Trump performance, you know, I I got the first week and and the first couple of weeks where, you know, he was kind of following up on his campaign rhetoric. But how are Republicans seeing him now? Like McCain was very critical. Where are the other senior Republicans? Do you think they're going to rally around him now or are they going to be sniping from the touchlines?
1: At the moment, they still have the person in the White House that they want to put pen to paper on the executive orders that they want. So Paul Ryan is going to stand behind Trump insofar as he can. I think we saw that throughout the primaries. Trump, as he almost as he said himself, he could have shot somebody in Fifth Avenue and still gotten more supporters. And the Republicans are happy to stay behind him once they have that power in the White House to sign the executive orders that they want, and Paul Ryan wants budget cuts. That's what he's looking for out of this. So if he gets budget cuts, he's happy to go along with whatever else. The only people who are realistically going to stand up to him are, like you said, McCain and maybe Lindsey Graham, are the only two people who are likely to cross the aisle and stand up with them. The The vote on DeVos went to a tie-break vote where Pence had to come in. I don't think that the, the two or three Republican senators who switched sides would have done that without permission to show that they were able to go back to their congressional districts or their districts and say well look I didn't vote for DeVos you know you can you can trust me to stand up to Trump sort of thing and they will play that out throughout the rest of the way there'll be Republicans who will pick their issues that they can go back to their voters and say this is what we're this is what I'm hoping to do the one thing I would say is Trump's first two weeks have been uh, bungled executive orders looks like a lot of bad appointments and a lot of infighting and leaks he was elected to because he's not a uh, because he wasn't a politician, but now he is a politician, and it's time to start treating him like one.
0: All right, well there you have it. It's unprecedented episode two, our weekly look at the goings on in the White House, on uh, with our Ion Trump, Adrian Collins. Talk to you next week.